Trifecta Fitness. We're proud to be Clarksville's new Get Fit headquarters. Trifecta Fitness is a state-of-the-art spin and strength training studio. Our spin studio is truly one of a kind in this area, complete with 20 state-of-the-art live fitness bikes and an incredible sound system. Our strength training is done in small groups of six or fewer, and all of our strength and spin classes are scalable for every level of experience. Come see us in the heart of Clarksville, just behind Mapco at the corner of Old Trenton Road and Wilma Rudolph Boulevard. Call us for more info at 931-542-6265 or download our Trifecta Fitness app for a full list of upcoming classes. In October 2019, Arlington, Texas was chosen to be the home of a new national museum, unlike any other. The National Medal of Honor Museum will be a unique home of military history. The 100,000 square foot museum will house exhibits, archives, and artifacts relating to the 3,500 U.S. troops who have been awarded the medal, the nation's highest honor for valor in combat. The museum will have 31,000 square feet of galleries dedicated to U.S. troops who have received the award. The museum CEO, former Navy SEAL and NASA astronaut Chris Cassidy said the museum will focus on education as much as preservation. The building will have five areas dedicated to Medal of Honor winners from the Army, Marine Corps, Navy, Air Force, and Coast Guard. The main gallery will be located in a central plaza under a 25,000 square foot slab of steel which will appear to be suspended in midair. It will be supported by five pillars. Black Rifle Coffee is a corporate sponsor of the museum, as are the Dallas Cowboys. The museum's board also includes over a dozen major corporations and six Medal of Honor recipients, including David Bellavia, Patrick Brady, and Britt Slabinski. Army Staff Sergeant Bellavia was awarded the medal for clearing an entire house by himself on November 10, 2004, as a squad leader in support of Operation Phantom Fury in Fallujah, Iraq. He killed four enemy fighters and wounded a fifth in close quarters battle. Army Major General Brady flew and coordinated the evacuation of 51 seriously wounded men during a firefight in Vietnam in January 1968. Slabinski, a Navy SEAL chief and team leader, led a rescue team of SEALs during Operation Anaconda in Afghanistan in March 2002. Slabinski and his team flew to a mountaintop ambush site to rescue Petty Officer First Class Neil Roberts, who had fallen from the back of a helicopter. Slabinski led the team through almost constant combat against an entrenched Taliban force. Along with the board members, former presidents Jimmy Carter, Bill Clinton, George W. Bush, and Barack Obama serve as honorary directors. The museum is expected to open to the public in late 2024. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back. Fit Nation. We are a show founded by a veteran and hosted by two veterans and a military spouse. Our mission is to get people to tell their story to the world. If you're an author, share your tips with Misfit Nation. If you're a musician or actor, our audience needs to know how they too can get into the business. Coaches, we love our coaches. Come on and share some of your tips with the Misfit Nation to help them become better versions of themselves. If you're a corporate leader or an entrepreneur, come on and share how you did it and how hard you have fought for success. If you're a veteran, first responder, or Gold Star family, we would love to have you come on and just share your story with the Misfit Nation. We always have time for you. 
If you're feeling down, alone, or starting to see the darkness, stop. Think about those who are around you. You are not alone. You will be missed. If you feel like your problems will be a burden to those in your inner circle or are embarrassed, dial 988. If you are a veteran, take option one. We need you to keep pushing forward. Don't make a permanent solution to a temporary problem. If you're a new listener, welcome to the Misfit Nation. Be sure to subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast apps and also on our YouTube channel at the underscore Misfit Nation. Subscribe and click the bell to keep you up to date with our latest episodes and all of our news. You can also find us on Heroes Media Group and About Face Radio. Now, let's get to the show. All right, all right. Welcome to our Sunday night chat. Uh, it's a beautiful rainy day here in the south thanks to extreme heat. And then uh, the night comes in and we get the storm. So if you hear booming, it says thunder. Our next guest is a U.S. Army veteran, life coach, and trainer that has helped over 500 clients and 50 companies go from just surviving to thriving through his coaching modalities and marketing efforts. During his time in service, he was awarded Soldier of the Year for his battalion three times, received numerous awards for PT, and took his leadership skills, certifications, and life experiences to help people take control of their mind, body, so they can be more productive in life. So without further ado, let's welcome Derek Johnson, U.S. Army veteran, to the Misfit Nation. Welcome, Derek. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. How are you doing today? Good, good, man. It's great to connect. I'm sure we, we could have connected different ways, but the internet gets us together a lot quicker. So, Oh, yeah. That's the best way to do it. That's how so I how made my re- my good friends all through the internet. <laughs> there you go. All you good close friends, close 500 clients. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so tell I gave a little blurb about you there, basically your Army career and what awards you got and what you're doing now. But tell us a little about, more about Derek from as far back as you want to go to how we got to where we are now. Yeah, for sure. I appreciate it. So number one, I'm a army brat. So my father was U.S. Army 20 plus years retired and my mother was German or my mother is German. We grew up in Germany, so we were stationed all throughout Germany. So we would go back and forth between the states. And then growing up, just always saw that discipline. Dad was up. Mom was a kindergarten teacher. She was up doing Pilates, Tybo tapes in the living room and all that. So first things first, I always saw fitness and the morning routine as second nature. So if I was up, my buddies were like, man, your parents are always up. That was normal. So from there in in school, I played sports and was also in ROTC in high school. And just naturally as the kid and as the teen that was quiet, I was the the observer. So long story short, parents went through a lot of dark trials in their upbringing. So I I became like the punching bag uh, verbally or psychologically, but they could see that I could handle it. So fitness and faith was always my outlet, working out and working on my faith. They went hand in hand. So when I was 12 years old, I was listening to Tony Robbins cassette tapes. I was reading Les Brown. I was just diving deep into that stuff. My friends were like, what's going on? And then from there, my cheat code to like get through those times was to learn about stories that were way darker than my upbringing and darker than like my parents. And I would see they made success happen after this upbringing. And I realized that pain was the fuel. And the older I got in school, in sports and in the military, I realized that I gravitated naturally towards the people that went through a lot. So anybody that's been through hell or been through the shit, they can just see it in somebody's eyes and you gravitate towards them or they gravitate towards you. So I realized that that was going to be the calling. So 
after 10 years in the army, I just went all out in coaching. I was a personal trainer, but I didn't want to let any more clients down psychologically. So that being said, I would see clients years after the fact and they would lose the progress. And I felt like that was my fault. So that's why I got into life coaching to make that psychological shift. And then from there, that's when things skyrocketed for them. And it was also fulfilling to see them win. Their wife or their husbands were happy, their family, their clients. So it was like seeing that positive ripple effect really helped me. So I truly believe that when we can heal ourselves with whatever our upbringing is, we can then help heal others. Definitely. That's outstanding there. And uh, 10 years in, I mean, that's a hard time to just get out. Did you go to reserves? Because you already knocked out 10 years of your life there. I and mean, it's 10 years you can never get back. And oh, yeah. Guaranteed paycheck is 10 years away. Did you go to reserves after? Yeah. So the last couple of years I did National Guard. So I was in Florida. So all throughout Florida, um, weekend warrior per se. But I wanted to make sure that I, did, I didn't go into college debt and everything. So I got all the certifications, degrees and everything before I got out. So I love my time in the Army. And as you know, taking advantage of the um, certs and all the resources. But from there, I can definitely say that the camaraderie in the army is the number one thing that I miss. But that's what I bring into business, into friendships, into companies. It's just to bring the energy back to it. Because a lot of Monday corporate meetings are fluff. There's no energy. Nobody cares. But if you bring that passion and you actually know people face to face and one by one, they appreciate that. So that's what I strive to push is to just to bring camaraderie, whether that's one on one or if it's a group setting. So with the companies you uh, have worked with, has that been group stuff or has it been helping the leadership to learn how to take care of their people? Yes. So with businesses, I do their marketing and then also help them in terms of leadership training. So if one of the leaders in the company or the CEO is great at business, Maybe he sucks at communication or speaking to people differently. Like you might have one guy on paper, he's great. But when it comes to the meetings, he's in knife hand drill sergeant mode to everybody. And I'm like, hey, we got to chill out. Or somebody's not tough enough. They're too passive and teaching them how to become a better leader, a better communicator, which is most important. And then in terms of coaching, it's all one on one. So there's fitness and then there's life. So honestly, just being able to help individuals identify old patterns that are no longer serving them. Maybe they're carrying around what happened to them when they were 12 or from said divorce, said relationship. So making sure those things don't spill into their professional life and their personal life. So that's the shift that we make happen there on a personal level and business side is just to help them get more clients, more sales, and then also help the CEO or whoever handles the meetings have better leadership and communication with their team. Both of those are uh, critical to being successful in business, no matter what size business you are. Uh, personality and leadership and communi communication is number one. If you're not communicating oh, yeah. all your mission, you're just basically talking to your mirror in the morning when you get go up to shave or brush your teeth. It's the only time you're really talking. After that, exactly. you just hope things work out. And your upbringing, like you said, uh, shaped you, made you to the strong person you are, made you have the, the mindset to get up in the morning and, and do that workout. Seeing your mom do the the tie bow. Uh, hopefully it wasn't with Billy Banks. And uh, so <laughs> my, wife, my wife used to love those little those tapes and DVDs. She got oh, yeah. there after, especially after our daughter was born. She do a lot of Billy Banks that tie bow stuff. And I always laughed and I said, "You can just go outside and work out too." But you're doing it, so have at it. But <laughs> I, I chuckled a little bit. But that do you see clients that still want to be just alone to do training as far as fitness, and then life coaches? Uh, I know life coaches totally. Usually one-on-one, -on -one, are they trying to get out of their own way to get places? 
Yes, 100% is trying to get out of their own way. So there's one side that's extremes as in vices, drugs, alcohol, porn addiction, sex addiction, whatever specifically it is. So making sure that they can overcome that because they feel like they hit the barrier in their professional life. Like they hit a certain level of success, relationship, hit a dead stent, and they just hit that level where they're like, I have to make a shift. These vices are holding me back and I need to be able to control them. Even if it's not as toxic as massive copious amounts of drugs or alcohol, it could just be anger. Maybe they can't control their anger or their aggression, or maybe they just never release. So like as men, most of us, we don't open up. We just hold it in, hold it in, man up, man up, toughen up, hit the weights, do all like to, to an extent, somebody's going to boil and explode. So being able to help them, number one, with their vices. And then on other ends, it's helping people with their confidence. So I truly believe in what I speak to a lot of my clients is if you're not proud of your presence, then you'll never truly be present. So an example is we're going into summer. People are going on vacations, cruises, trips. Some people are at the pool or at the beach and they don't want to take their shirt off or they do. And they're worried about how they look and they're not present with their family, or with their loved ones. And they're never really present. Or if they have to do a group presentation or speaking on stage or maybe even via Zoom, they're so worried about how they sound, how they look, how they come across, how people will perceive them. And they can't truly be present because they're stuck in their own head. So being able to help people overcome that as well. So one would be vices. Two is the main confidence so they can be proud of their presence. Nice. And that's kind of why I started doing live shows. Because I, I felt when I was doing the pre-records, I was taking away a lot of what was really being said or what the person was really saying. So if you do a live show, okay. there's no editing. It's just, it's yeah. you, what you say comes out and whatever I say, good or bad comes out. So there's no uh, erasing. I mean, there'll be some editing later for, to get into the actual podcast, but the live show will be there forever and they'll be able to see what we do. So whatever awesome. perceptions people have, it's there. You have it right now. They see you, they see Derek, they see Rich on the other side of the screen. And we're just talking like two dudes, two dudes in a, in the corner store or something talking to each other. Oh yeah. And I, I appreciate that you do that as well, because it's interesting because as you mentioned, some are pre-recorded and they edit a ton out, but that raw energy, if somebody slips up, drops the F bomb, does this or whatever, just people sense that like, I'm not for everyone. You're not for everyone. But when people find somebody that they resonate with, that is always the best when they can authentically be themselves, especially right. online. People love to play a character, but if when we're just wholeheartedly ourselves, it's freeing. We could just, be ourselves now when the camera goes off. If I'm outside, it's definitely the best. It's like Mark Wahlberg said and the other guys, I'm a peacock here. Let me fly. And that's what I do here. I let you fly. So if you step oh. on it, I, I usually just roll with the punch. So when someone starts to roll and say stuff, I don't I don't break down much. I I say, yeah, you're good. I'm sorry I cursed. It's too late now. I just keep going. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you just got to go with it. So I you know nowadays coming out of the, the two years of hell of COVID, was it hard to get people motivated after that for you? And do you see the window opening now a lot better for people? I would say during that time in quarantine, from a coaching standpoint, it did help a lot in terms of business, but also in terms of giving people that clarity. So as you know, during quarantine, people were either winning or losing. Like there was no real in-between. Either their relationship got better with their kids and wife or they hated seeing them 24 seven. They're like, oh my God, can you guys leave the house? Like, geez, I'm tired of seeing y'all. So like seeing those massive shifts, it was either way up here and they just needed an action step in regards to workouts. Hey, the gyms are closed. Or it was extreme low where they were like, I'm binge drinking, I'm going through the drive-through, I'm watching this negative toxic media. So 
one thing that I found during quarantine was that shift that people needed their alone time to actually be present. That that would be a thing that I would say helped a lot of people was helped them to be present with that voice, be present with themselves or just be present with their loved ones and face what they needed to face. So I truly believe that it was a blessing in disguise. Yes, it was annoying for everyone, but still a lot of people improved or a lot of people face to face had to look in the mirror because they weren't as busy and they're like, all right, things are slowing down. Reality's kicking in. What am I going to do? Drown or fix my shit? So, and after quarantine, I can definitely see that for some people, it was hard for them to really open up again, as in the social setting. Uh, a lot of people I noticed, no matter their levels of success, had social anxiety because they were only around kids, friends, family, neighbor, or they just didn't talk to anyone for almost a whole year. Like verbally, everything was online. Everything is digital. They're texting and messaging. So they lost that in-person personal touch of just the social aspect. So it was really interesting to see like who had what. But I can say that after quarantine, a lot of people needed help again to go back into social settings, whether it was like they work remote for a year and now they're like, shit, I got to go to this Monday meeting in person. Like we got it. We have a banquet luncheon. Their anxiety skyrocketed. And before quarantine, they never had anxiety about the luncheon and they change as a person. So it was really interesting dynamic. But I can say that that definitely was a major thing that people felt no matter their level of success. So one would be they got better. They just needed some structure during quarantine. Two, they were in a dark place, needed to get out of that during quarantine. Then afterwards, majority of people had that social anxiety of going back in person, like not knowing what to say. Like they think everybody's on edge because like, is he team team CNN? Is he team Biden? Is he is she this? And everybody's like, what do I say? So I was a guy that would come in. I was like, hey, good morning. How's everybody doing? How was your week? And everyone's like, oh, normal conversation. Nobody's saying anything about politics or news or headlines. It's just like, how was your day? What'd you eat for breakfast? And they're like, oh, I had a oatmeal and like slowly getting them to open up because you could always tell who was like really hardened um in person I, I go ahead i said a lot of people are tense when they came back they were like eggshells they didn't want to walk on those eggshells and say something wrong oh yeah for sure you said which team they were on exactly so yeah so i always wanted to be that person that made people comfortable just like make a random joke about a fart or cough it like just random stuff to get people to laugh and then kind of reel them in, they're like, hey, you know what? It's been a while since I've had the social interaction, really. So once I got them to smile or laugh and have a good, solid conversation, and when you walk away, you would see them like, man, I needed that. Even if we just talked about whatever was in their shopping cart, like you could just tell who needed what because they were just tense and holding it in and maybe haven't verbally spoke to anybody in months. But that's definitely an interesting dynamic that I noticed. But it was exciting as well because it got people to face themselves do some inner work. And then from there, now being back in society, people can see like, Hey, I'm great at this and I suck at that. So. Definitely. A lot of people uh, learned that the, I guess the hard way with what they suck at. Some people really sucked at technology and couldn't do their remote work. So they had to up their game to be remote or find another way to make money for a living, make it, make a living for their family. I like that. You've said it more, uh, more than once now being present and I think that is a huge problem in society today. People are never present. If you go to you go out to eat to dinner with uh, your friends or family, you look at the table next to you, the whole family. Yep, exactly. We went out on a Father's Day. We went to a little restaurant here. Me and my wife sat down. We're waiting to eat, and we're just talking to each other. And next to us, the kids on the tablet. Both parents are on cell phones. Nobody's talking to each other. And she said, "That's the future oh, yeah. of our country right there." And I said, "It's a sad day, and uh, it's exactly. hard to." 
just look at them and not say something because you know it's not my lane. But you want to give that knife hand at that point. Hey, put your stuff down. Talk to each other. Maybe be with yeah. the kid. Don't let her play SpongeBob, whatever she's playing right now, and get out there and have fun. Hundred percent. There's a meme. You've probably seen the meme before the past couple of years, especially during quarantine. That some people would have a basket at their front door, and oh. they're like, place phone in. And like, there's no pictures, no nothing. It's like, you got to keep it in the basket until you leave and everybody's just present. So a lot of people would crumble if, because when people get awkward, they're like, they just start scrolling just to scroll because they have an awkward situation. But anytime I saw that, I was like, most families need to do that. Like put it in the basket. Let's have dinner together. Everybody be here and be present. At least that one hour a day at dinner time, let's look at each other, talk to each other. After that, exactly. bang your head on the wall. I don't care. But up until that point, let's talk. For sure. So how do you, what steps should a person take to basically take control of their life and better their situation? I always like to first focus on besides somebody having goals and having passions, knowing what they want. The hard way to do it is first say, Hey, what steps do I need to take? Oh, I need to do this, need to do this, need to change the schedule, need to do that. What I like to do is first ask ourselves, what could we get rid of? What could we eliminate? Is it food wise? Is it something that I'm drinking? Is it I'm always hanging out with this person that always talks negative. Um, whatever specifically it is, being able to identify what could I get rid of or do less of or maybe just replace. So I created an example. Jimmy loves Milo sweet tea and Diet Coke. <laughs> maybe he's like, you know what? That's my thing. I have like five of those. No wonder this journey is not going right because I have like 80 grams of sugar every day without noticing it just from liquids. So that might be his thing. Maybe we can cut him down a little bit. And then eventually he's replacing that with some Perrier or what it was, sparkling water, whatever specifically it is. But that's one example. And it's very common. It could be nutrition related for some people. For others, it could be intrusive thoughts, negative self-talk, limiting beliefs. It could be deeper. So I would challenge everyone to first grab a sheet of paper, go old school, write down what could I get rid of or replace or maybe simply do less of that'll help me make more progress. What could I get rid of, replace, or do less of that'll help me make more progress? And people, once they're transparent and they push pride and ego aside for a moment, they can usually pinpoint exactly what it is. For a lot of people, it's just scrolling, mindless scrolling. They sit down to do something. They're like, all right, I'm going to send these two emails and do this. Next thing they know, 30 minutes went by. They're on Amazon. They're on Facebook. They went down a rabbit hole on TikTok. And they're like, where the hell did these 45 minutes go? <laughs> and that happens like five times a day. So like, if you add that up per week, they're losing hours and weeks on end. So first identifying what is that thing that person could get rid of? And then once they start to do that, then they can slowly start to change their routines rather than just going cold turkey saying, hey, tomorrow's day one. I'm waking up at this time. I'm going to do this because most people are not going to last that long. They'll do two weeks, five days. But if they first start with getting rid of some things and then making a change, they, they can feel freer rather than just going That's all see. in, all out. That's something you see every year when January 1st comes around every year. You, you see the, I resolve to do this. I'm in the gym. I go to the gym and I see him there for, like you said, one week, one week at jam packed gym. The second week they start weeding out. And then the third week they're all gone, but they're still paying oh, yeah. that every month money. They pay every month to the gym. They, just, they have it. It's always, always going to be that bill that they have. They don't go back in and rocket tab, whatever, and get it out of there as a subscription that they never use. Exactly. And I think you said you hit the nail on the head with vices too. If you, if you clean up some things before you start to make that life change, it's a lot easier because you already fought the one thing that's probably going to bring you down, bring you down or give you the most discomfort. 
like your example of the sugar, sugary drinks, if you knock some of those out slowly and then get into something different, it's not going to be like a withdrawal kind of thing, shakes, and you want to think about that all day. You'll already be gone. You'll be past that. Now you start this new chapter. Exactly. And people surprise themselves what they can do in a matter of weeks. And it's usually the small things that make the biggest change. People look, they like to look for this abstract biggest thing. What is the new hot trend? Do I go keto? Do I do this? Do I read 15 Jordan Peterson books? Like, do I listen to eight hour park? Like they look for all these massive grand things. And it's like, what is in the pantry? What is in the fridge? And what are you predominantly looking at on social media? Or who are you talking to? Are you talking to negative uncle Jimmy? Who's always complaining about the economy? (laughs) Or are you talking to Bobby? Who's like, man, let's attack our goals. How was your week? Just literally just looking at the basic things because what people consume in their body and consume in their minds and put in there, that's going to dictate how they feel, their mental state, their physical state, and how they see life. Like the same situation could happen to two people. As you know, they could have two different outlooks. One sees it as a challenge. All right, challenge accepted. The other one's like, why me? Why this? Why is this happening, God? And it's the exact same scenario, but it's just the reaction to it. So just by first eliminating some things, people can slowly start to zoom out and say am i just complaining or is it really that bad what am i doing is this a pattern and then taking action it kind of comes down to mindset upbringing has a lot to do with that as well if oh yeah your upbringing taught you a lot of lessons a lot of life lessons along the way and taught you to be tougher taught you to fitness is a a way out for you when you felt pain go work out go do something else Uh, listen to tony robbins tapes at 12 years old that's not something i've ever heard on the show before but that's awesome that he did that I've had a lot of Tony Robbins, uh, I guess, mentees on here. None of them did it when they were 12. They were always in their (laughs) mid-20s or 30s when they finally listened to his stuff. So you're you're my number one on that list. I wrote that down here, 12-year-old Tony Robbins. (laughs) Yeah, it it helped a lot where sports, what it truly was, I didn't realize what I was doing at the time. Like I would work out and then I would basically train to exhaustion and then I felt calm. Like I, I, I just felt neutral. I didn't go to sleep. I would just feel neutral. And then I would expect the 10 p.m. to like 3 a.m. like alcohol rage at home. And then I was like, I'm ready for it because I'm calm. And then I wake up and my friends are always like, man, you're always so on it. And I'm like, I love being at school. I just love being away from the house. And nobody would knew, but I just love being around people because the word I love you wasn't said in the house. So I would try to give love to people by helping them like feel excited, feel proud. And the older I got, I was like, wow, I'm like healing him, healing that young guy now through people seeing them thrive, seeing them happy and confident. And I'm, and it's interesting how that comes full circle. So that's why I always use the phrase pain is fuel. And when we, when we can heal ourselves, we can help heal others. And people can sense that like everybody has a different level of energy or who they listen to most. And like the reason we're drawn to anybody, male or female is like, we kind of learn more of their story and we relate to them. We're like, Oh, I just thought he was a gifted athlete. Oh shit. His parents are alcoholics too. Oh, he went through this. Oh, he saw this. Wow. I didn't know Rich went through that. Okay, no wonder he's the way he is. So once people can slowly peel back the layers, that's when we relate to people because that's what it's all about. It's just relating. Because when we're in the darkness or in hell, we feel alone. We feel nobody can relate to us. But all we need is that one other person who's maybe been through something similar or exactly the same. You're like, whoa, he was able to do this? I would have never guessed. And then they kind of feel more at peace because they know somebody else went and they can start to do the work with them or by themselves. Exactly. Uh, you said the darkness and we talk about the darkness all the time on here. Cause as you know, we lose about 22 brothers and sisters a day based on whatever statistics you listen to. It's probably a lot more. 
if they count in oh, yeah. other things such as drug overdoses or accidents through, due to adrenaline rushes and trying to do stuff, but they don't count those because it's not the, the cool thing to count. But as they get to the darkness, is there ways that you've been able to coach some of your clients that, hey, look, brother, sister, this is this would be a better way for you to do this. Don't let that, that spiral get you, like you said, spiral. Anything you do, you can't let the spiral get you. Is there any tips or tricks you give them to get out of it? Yeah, for sure. So what I first start with is a pattern interrupter. So I like to think of a air horn. Not that somebody has to go get an air horn, but they can say a phrase in their head or out loud if they're alone. So an example could be said situation happens, they get rage, they get anger, or they get sadness. They might go really high. They might go really low. The intent is not to act. <clears throat> the intent is not to act like it doesn't exist. The intent is to say, how fast can I come back to being neutral? Maybe they're feeling really low. Maybe they're feeling really hype. But step one would be to change their physiology. So if they're just sitting, stand up, walk around, do the opposite of what they were doing. And first, like move. Because most people, they try to think their way into a happier state. And it doesn't really work. It might work for 30 seconds. And then they get pissed off that they were doing it because they're like, this doesn't work. And then they do the back and forth juggle. But if they can first move the body, excuse me, if they can first say a statement in their head or out loud, so an example would be like, you don't effing own me. And if somebody says that and they feel that intent, that is the interrupter. It's like that air horn. And then they can go to, all right, let me go outside for 10 minutes. Let me pray. Let me breathe. Let me work out. Just interrupting what is happening by doing something different to then five to 10 minutes of doing whatever they were doing, coming back to it and immediately going back to the next task rather than thinking, did that 30 seconds of burpees or that five minute walk help? Did that prayer help? Because then they can second guess what actually helped them get to neutral. But the intent is have a pattern interrupter, do something that's different psychologically. And then when you come back down to neutral standpoint, go back to whatever you were doing, clean the car, work, whatever. And what tends to happen when they can do this more frequently is they usually forget what put them in that state anyway. And they're like, huh. I'm normally in that state for two or three hours and I'll tell my family to stay away from me, but maybe they're able to calm down within five to 10 minutes. And again, we're not saying that thing doesn't exist, but it's just how fast can they get back to even ground to be neutral to complete their tasks for the day. And once they complete tasks, male, female, whoever it is, all we want is fulfillment to feel like we're getting somewhere. Check the box, man, I did all my tasks today. I completed this. And when somebody can feel proud by the time their head hits the pillow, they're less likely to be angry, super sad, anything else. We just want to check some boxes. It doesn't matter if it's organize my closet, wash the car, or make these 10 phone calls, whatever it is, it doesn't matter big or small. It's more about getting those things do done by being proud by the time we hit the pillow. I like to also think of an analogy of if somebody was following you around all day recording you and you had to watch that video before you went to bed, would you be proud of the man or woman that you see? And it takes full transparency. We got to push ego and pride aside. And like when we can get to a point where we can say, yes, I'm proud of that video, then we can start to rinse and repeat. And we can say, you know what? I did get pissed off for an hour. I apologize or I built back up or whatever was needed, but I did complete everything and I did do the inner work. But I like to think of those analogies to tap out of the current aggression, sadness, whatever that emotional state is. <clears throat> Definitely. It took me a long time through life to understand that it I, I had like, they used to call me two second fuse when I was younger. You, you did something, there was two seconds between the time you did it and I went nuts. 
and they would have to either push me away or I'd, I'd have to move, remove myself. It took many years to understand I can control that. I can control me. I can control my next action because my actions have actions, have reactions. And everything I did had something three steps down the line that would happen. So I, it took me a long time to learn that. And I know it. if you don't know you have that issue, you don't realize it. And people just laugh about you doing it. It's yeah. just fuel you to do it more. And it took me moving away to the arm to get in the army to understand that it doesn't work like that in the real world. And uh, you can get knocked down. You can get knocked down a few pegs in the army when you act like that. And you learn to build yourself back up into a better leader, a better person at that point. And meeting my wife also helped me to stay calm and uh, awesome. find out flaws of flaws of myself. And now 29 years later with her, uh, she still tells me uh, I do things wrong, but I'm a lot better at it now. So. Good, good. Good. Congrats on the 29. That's rare to hear nowadays. Especially in the army. <laughs> oh yeah, hundred percent. It's like three or four divorces, <laughs> multiple right. baby mamas. <laughs> we used to laugh. We bunch of staffs aren't sitting around. They're talking about their multiple wives. How many have? One, one man. Oh yeah. What would you do? Uh, probably not what you did. So I'm good. <laughs> exactly. Hey, sometimes we can learn by what not to be. He's an idea, ideal example of how I don't want to end up, Sergeant I, Smith. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so of your most successful clients what kind of uh, personalities do, or professional uh, traits did they have to be successful definitely i would say number one is athletes no matter if they played when they were a child in high school or college but they have that competitiveness that inner drive to just want to compete and not like in a sadistic way or in a self-critical way but they just love competition good old friendly competition i noticed that they thrive the most well they, they might have gone through a dark time they might have stepped backwards but they're very easy and fast to get back on track because they just need that structure and accountability where they were drifting and my intent is to pull them back in i'm like hey you're going off the wrong exit you keep taking this detour let's just go straight and they're like it can't be that simple and i'm like just just keep following it because that confidence is going to go up just just don't miss for seven days they're like yo it's been 10 days i haven't done that thing confidence builds they start to get that drive and then people start to say like hey you're showing up different but definitely just that consistency of building that self-trust building that self-trust and not having those moments where like hey i'm gonna do it tomorrow like tomorrow is Monday. It's normally when people wake up, they hit snooze six times by 11 a.m. They're pissed off and they, they carry that energy all day. So as as you know, those early rises help a ton. So, yeah. Especially tomorrow being a Monday sandwich between a weekend and a holiday. Exactly. People, people, if they're not taking vacation, they're not getting up on time. I can guarantee it. For sure. It's going to be a lot of this or throwing the phone across the room so they don't have to hear it no more. Definitely. So if you can give tips to those out here listening to try to get their life just kind of in a better direction. If you can give three tips to them, either no matter their age group, what would that be? Number one, I would challenge someone to say this phrase in their head or out loud multiple times a day. People depend on me. People depend on me. So if they don't want to make that call, they don't want to get up, they don't want to hit record, they don't want to do whatever they want to do. We're all genetically inclined to be selfish. Me, 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 I'm tired, me, this, I feel this way, blah, blah. But if we then stop ourselves and say, people depend on me, your wife, your kids, their kids, whoever, their clients, once they can think of others, another part of them takes over. 
where they're like, I slept two hours and now I went all day, didn't complain once because they thought of other people. And then there could be a day where they slept eight perfect hours and they're like, oh, and then they're just being selfish. So it's interesting how that works when we think of family or think of whoever needs us and depends on us. We tap into another version where we're not worried about us. So that'd be tip number one is people depend on you. People depend on me. How are we showing up Two would be to become the man or woman that you always needed, become the man or woman that you always needed. So like I mentioned earlier, I love you was not a phrase that was said in our household. I didn't complain about it. But what I noticed when I went to my friend's houses for their cookouts or the sleepovers as a child, I was like, whoa, this is what a loving family has dinner. Y'all have dinner together. Like, what is this? <laughs> I was like, you haven't argued. I'm like, it's 10 o'clock and she's not drinking raging in your room. I'm like, this is interesting. <laughs> so seeing that is I saw examples of how I wanted to treat my potential kids. Like I, we don't have kids yet, but if we do, I know what kind of love that I do want to give them and the type of energy I don't want to have in the home or the rage and aggression. And if that moment does come, it's like, Hey, I'll be back in a few hours. Need to go to the gym and just be away, but not let them see that side. But yeah, so becoming the man or woman that we always needed. And last but not least is becoming undeniable, becoming undeniable in their field, as a father in their business, just having that energy where people are like, man, Rich, Rich, kills it at what he does. Like he shows up, he gives his passion to people. He finds good people to get connected with whatever industry somebody's in, if they can just become undeniable. And it's not about being social media famous. It's just, just about providing value, showing up, having integrity and literally just doing the basics again. Cause a lot of people try to go the cheat code way or they're like, Oh, I got the ver verification on Instagram. Now I'm somebody. And I'm like, <laughs> Nobody even listens to you. Like you don't show up for yourself and people can feel that energy, but becoming undeniable by showing up for ourselves. Cause anytime we show up for ourselves, people feel that energy. They're like, man, he's rich is on point or this lady's on point. Like they carry themselves in a different way. And people appreciate that. Cause at the end of the day, everybody just wants a higher level of confidence. No matter where the confidence is, everybody would like more confidence and to own their stuff where they're like, my family sees me as their superhero and vice versa. Outstanding. Great tips. People depend on me. Become the person you always needed, uh, like you did in your life. And, of course, become undeniable. A blue check mark doesn't mean you're amazing. just means you paid for a blue check mark now. So, oh, yeah. That's outstanding. <laughs> so, Derek, how does someone get in contact with you to, to hang out with you like I am right now or to use you as their life coach? So the easiest way is Instagram. That would be fit with Derek to fit with Derek with the number two at the end. Instagram is my favorite platform. I post them on all of them, but I feel like it's the most personal. And my whole intent of the social media is number one, inspire people to show the behind the scenes of the daily routine where I tell my friends, I'm like, I don't miss. I'm not going to miss unless I die. And they're like, he's not going to wake up at four tomorrow. And they're like, shit, he's already up again. <laughs> so like, I just show real stuff where I'm like, I do what I preach. So my whole intent is just to be that wake up call to people where I'm like, hey, I'm not teaching something that somebody wrote in a book. I do it. So I'm just full transparency. Not definitely not for everyone. Drop a lot of F-bombs. But hey, at least you know what you're going to get. Black and white. <laughs> Keep it real. That's what you want. Uh, Derek, it's been uh, great hanging out with you on this uh, Independence Weekend. Uh, awesome that you served uh, in the Army, the best service out there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for everything you're doing and have done. And uh, keep up that fire. You have a great energy about you. And uh, I can see that you take your clients 100% that, to task and, and make sure they're successful and they thrive in their lives. So thank you for that. I really appreciate you having me on, Rich. 
And thanks again for your service as well. And whoa. Whoa. <laughs> All, right. <laughs> All right, you too. Thanks for checking us out and being a part of the Misfit Nation. Don't forget to visit our website at themisfitnation.com it's themisfitnation.com to catch up on all of our episodes and also to get some of that great Misfit Nation gear as always, be humble stay hungry and keep hustling because we are